Are you taking an omega-3 supplement regularly? And if so, are you sure of the quality or the impact that the production of that omega-3 supplement has on our oceans, fish, and environment? Omega-3s are one of those essential nutrients that we can't make in our body, but are incredibly important to many functions in us just being healthy. And on today's episode, I am joined by omega-3 expert Karina Balazzi from Orlo Nutrition. And what I love about what I'm going to share and what you're going to hear is that not only is her company really behind helping people be healthy through getting omega-3s into our system, but also and doing it in a way that is sustainable and leaves the smallest carbon footprint possible while also taking care of our oceans. And I kind of geeked out while we were talking and got really excited about that it is possible. And I'm, I'm very excited about the product that they created and all of these things, especially as I've actually been watching my husband fight for the organization that he represents, but he's been fighting to put some sanctions and, and a proposal limiting fishing on coastal regions of Alaska so that salmon actually have a chance to get upriver to their spawning grounds, not only for the health of the you know ecosystem of oceans and rivers and all of that, but also for subsistence tribal fishing and you know Alaska native tribes that haven't been able to fish for years. So there's so many layers and things to unpack. And I'm just excited to bring, you know, it's somewhat of a different conversation to the show. We are focused on health and how omega-3s really help us be healthy. And Karina is actually going to come back for uh, round two because we ran out of time to talk about why omega-3s are important for things like hormones. But today, you know, you're going to learn a lot about why omega-3s are important for you, but also how you can get them in a way that doesn't hurt our environment and our oceans, but is sustainable and healthy for them too. So hope you're excited and I can't wait to share this interview with you. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show, where we help women executives and entrepreneurs rise through adversity, connect to their intuition, transform their hormones, and get their energy back. This is the show where we go beyond asking, how do I treat my symptoms? and instead examine how do I truly heal, transform my hormones, and change my life. We are here to bring you outside-the-box ideas, interviews, and action steps focused in the areas of health, relationships, and our career, all three of which have a huge impact on our hormones. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. I'm your host, mentor, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and thought leader on hormones and work-life balance for high-achieving women. I'm also a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys and a furball, and I'm a woman whose own life experience and journey from adversity and the resulting hormonal chaos to finding hormonal harmony has led to me helping other women break with convention and find the tools they need to not just survive, but thrive. Ready to dive in? Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley. I'm really excited to be joined today by Karina Belize, who is an omega-3 expert and who pioneered the growth of Nordic Naturals to over $100 million in annual sales. Given her concern for health of people and the planet, she shifted her focus from fish-sourced omegas to algae in 2016. And today she leads Orlo Nutrition, which is a new algae brand that features the world's finest carbon-negative omega-3s. Orlo Nutrition grows their algae in pristine water in Iceland in a controlled environment optimized with AI and principles of circularity. She hosts a podcast, Nutrition Without Compromise, covering health topics without compromising your ethics or the health of our home planet. So Karina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. 
Yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. Um, and I have so many questions <laughs> about omega-3s that I know I've gotten from clients and you know had myself as a practitioner over the years and just a health-conscious individual in the world. But first, I'd just love to know like how you got into this mission, because you're clearly on a mission <laughs> on several layers <laughs> with like planet sustainability and health. So well, it's um you know, not necessarily the most direct path as many people, you don't necessarily decide. It, it kind of comes to you in moments, I think. I mean, I was a little hippie kid growing up in Southern Oregon that came to Silicon Valley and everybody was in tech, 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 right? Like everybody's working at Facebook or whatever. And um, decided to go to college to study anthropology and wanted to understand people and cultures of the world. And ultimately, I think that what has driven my continued love for health and nutrition is the fact that I get to support people. One of the things that I, I didn't necessarily, I think, think through as I was pursuing my studies in undergrad was that, you know, studying people of past who no longer exist, because like, I was going deep into archaeology, doesn't necessarily make the world a better place now. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, my first job out of college, I uh, was like, oh gosh, I'm just kind of burnt out on school. I did the job. I graduated with honors. I was thinking about going to you know, graduate school, becoming an archaeologist. And I, I basically needed a break. I needed to pay the bills. And so I started uh, working for a company in the natural health space called Draco Natural Products. They offered herbal extracts to companies that made finished goods. And so I got to dive into the research and how these different things can impact our health. And then thinking about what my impact could be if I was to stay focused instead of what on what happened more than 10,000 years ago, what's happening now and supporting human nutrition and ultimately fell in love with the industry. So I've been in the health and wellness space since I graduated college um, back in 98, essentially and have spent the last 20 years officially working in the space of omega-3s. I, I somewhat fell into omegas. Um, I was already passionate about the health and wellness space, about helping companies create healthier versions of products. Um, but I was getting a little bit, I would say, disenchanted with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that would happen that I was really privy to, right? Like, companies formulating with lesser quality materials and um, putting just any product on the shelf with a slapping a label on it, et cetera, et cetera. And um, often replacing a higher quality material with a lower quality material. And sometimes I was selling the high quality material and they were marketing as if they were using the higher quality material, but they were using something else. And so I made the choice and this really, um, integrated way to say, you know, maybe I don't want to be on the raw material supply side. Maybe I want to work for a company that is facing to the consumer where I can have a direct impact on the materials we use, what is actually included, create quality products and be in that space where I have the confidence to sit there and say, I'm making these recommendations for products that you can take to improve your health. And I know the quality and I can stand behind that. And so I um, made the pivot of working kind of behind the scenes to working in this consumer facing capacity and um, joined Nordic Naturals back in 2002. 
So for 10 years, really dove deep into the research on omega-3s and creating quality products that were better than other omega products that were out there, that were providing a direct source of EPA and DHA, not just, you know, alpha-linolenic oil from flax oil or walnut seeds or whatever else, you know, walnut seeds, I should say walnuts, <laughs> chia seeds, I can mix yeah. these things together sometimes in my brain. Um, perhaps I need to take more omegas, <laughs> but and really being able to dive deep into that research, I fell in love with omega-3 because I learned how many areas of health that these particular fats, EPA and DHA, can impact. At the same time, I was deeply steeped on the fish oil side of the world. I started to become increasingly concerned with the health of our oceans. I'm a scuba diver. I was witnessing firsthand changes in coral reefs and changes in the ocean's that I liked to dive in, even the Monterey Bay here in California, which is one of the most thriving ecosystems that we have, um, you notice changes when you visit it often, when you're spending time in the underwater world, you notice that there might be less kelp this season or that there seem to be more purple urchins that are eating their rootstocks and then they're drifting away, things along these lines. So I um, spent some time at um, connecting with people at MBARI, which is the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. And they shared with me some, some stark figures that I, at the time, barely understood about things like um, how the acidity of our oceans is increasing. And with the rise in acidity of the oceans, we will get to a point where the ocean no longer supports life. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really scary thought, right? Yeah. Um, I started to pivot my um, work life at that point to thinking about what we could do with algae instead, because algae at least supplied a direct source of DHA, which is so impactful for our health because it's involved in half of the fat in our brain and eyes. It is half of the fat in our brain and eyes, ideally. If we don't Mm -hmm. get enough, we'll make the brain and eyes out of other fats and we can talk about all the challenges that creates, (laughs) but ideally half the fat in your brain and eyes. So at least DHA was available then. So I started to push for more algae products and really try to educate people about the benefits of taking an algae oil being the same as taking a fish oil. Because you'll hear about it in media pretty constantly. Doctors say, oh, take your omega-3s. And then the next word is fish oil, right? Right. Um, We really don't need to go directly to the fish because the fish get their omega-3s from algae. And so long as we're able to harness the DHA and the EPA from algae, we now basically don't need to go to fish. And that's the world we're in now. There have been technological leaps that have enabled us to isolate both EPA and DHA from different strains of algae. And really what we're working towards um, with my collaboration at Baxa Technologies and the creation of the Orlo brand is bringing forward something that both is markedly sustainable, that has documented to ultimately be carbon neutral, at the same time that also produces EPA and DHA, or provides EPA and DHA, and in a polar lipid form, so it's more absorbable than the omegas Mm -hmm. you would even get from fish. And so this is a long kind of circuitous path that, that led me to this moment, But um, I've been working on this project for the last couple of years. The brand has only just become available in May of 2022. 
um, okay. sold through our pilot yeah. batch and we're finally in our first full production run. And yeah. um, as we prepare to launch the brand beyond our own website into other marketplaces. So awesome. Yeah, so. It's, a pr- it's a pretty pivotal moment at least. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. And really exciting. Um, on some of the levels, but there's like so many places we can go. I just wanted to dive into, um, cause I live in Alaska. Listeners know that uh, my husband's Alaska native. And so one of the things that we've been dealing with, like the, his village is kind of way up the Yukon on the Canadian border and salmon haven't been making the run cause they're being overfished. Like there's so much going on in our, our oceans. And it's just like such a, so I just wanted to kind of like acknowledge that for a moment. And I know there's lots of, yeah. It's really scary. I mean, it is. And it's really sad. So, I mean, I want to take a moment to help people understand why it's so scary and sad <laughs> because um, I've also been up to Alaska into the Kenai Peninsula. I've connected with fishermen that are local there. Um, while I was at Nordic Naturals, we had for a while this product that was called Kenai Wild um, Alaskan Salmon Oil, right? Um, and, you know, At that time, and this is over 10 years ago, um, the fish were still flourishing, I I could say, at least in that environment. Um, It was one of the best managed fisheries, at least as far as the Marine Stewardship Council and Friends of the Sea would acknowledge. Um, But yet at the same time, there were early signs that there were problems. Like, for instance, the fish not going as far inland or as far upstream as they used to. And what people may not understand is that if the fish don't make it as far inland as they used to, their bodies also don't feed the forest because their fish, the bodies of the fish decompose. They go into the waters, other animals eat them. They feed the microbes that are in the soil. They feed the trees, they feed the floodlands. I mean, it, it ultimately, they're part of a, an ecosystem that needs to be respected and protected. And so with a rise in popularity of omega-3s, we've continued to go to the oceans and, you know, reap them for a harvest. And ultimately, with salmon being the preferred fish, we're at a spot now where, where uh, scientists have come into the fold and said, okay, we're going to genetically engineer salmon that are going to outgrow uh, traditional wild salmon that will double their weight in a matter of weeks that will become... Um, basically more capable of surviving on less feed and get bigger and produce more omegas in a shorter time. So they're genetically engineered to do this. They've been dubbed in some circles, the Frankenfish. Um, but the reason that I was so against their, their use and um, ultimately their farming is related to one clear thing. And that is that they are generally farmed in open ocean in these ringed pens And there are always issues of escape. Fish always escape some of these nets. They can jump into the air. (laughs) There can be a hole in the net at the bottom. The nets are generally moved from spot to spot, these open rings. And the reason they do that is so that the fish are less likely to get sea lice and other um, gross parasites that attach to them and impede Mm -hmm. their life cycle. So they move the open water rings into other spots so that they're not just sitting over this column of waste for a long time, right? Um, So when these frankenfish escape, because they do and they will, um, Mm -hmm. they, they could potentially supplant wild populations. 
and outcompete them because they grow faster, they survive on less food. They also don't have the genetic memory of going to that prior spawning ground. And so yeah. what happens now to the entire ecosystem as it, it relates to the salmon's part in that? And, and that is a scary future. It's one of these instances where I think we as a people, um, we make a plan. We say, oh, well, this is great. We're going to go ahead and do it. But we don't consider the consequences. We don't necessarily yeah. understand what the cascade of either problems or benefits could be from that because there could be a cascade of benefits too if we do things better and we do things right. Yeah. So ultimately, um, I'm, I'm concerned for the, the health of fisheries around the globe. I'm concerned for the health of the ocean. I think that we all need to be thinking about where we get our nutrition um, and ultimately, <laughs> you know, what goes into its production. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't think about that. I think one of the most eye-opening experiences I've had was um, I went to school in Colorado, uh, Colorado College, and one of my friends, her family owned a cattle ranch in Wyoming. So we went up there and they had free-range cattle, but, you know, we could see the feedlots on, like, all around them. And it's just this brown blob. And, like, people don't think, like, we don't really think about beyond Oh, that comes from the store. Like, no, it came from somewhere before it got to the store. And what is the the process that got it there? So yeah. I'm glad that you're... Yeah. Concentrated animal farming operations yeah. or CAFOs is what they're called. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes this is, this is the sad truth too. So even if you're really working and you're trying to be a more responsible citizen, right? And you want to mm -hmm. buy from regeneratively grown organic meat um, that is grass-fed and also grass-finished. And so you're buying from a producer that you think is doing all those things. Often, the reality is that that producer then contracts with uh, CAFOs for its last end of life, so to speak. Yeah. So it could have spent this beauteous life doing whatever and then is temporarily shuttled to this basic hell for the animal when yeah. they're all resting they're standing on their own piles of dung basically and then have that end of life experience it's basically the same as all those animals that aren't raised that way so um I, I think while it's painful and difficult to become informed i think it's important that we take a, just a little bit more commitment to understanding where our food comes from and working to collaborate with and support those that are doing so more responsibly. I'm an omnivore. I happen to work with a company that is producing vegan and vegetarian products exclusively. I happen to believe that we should shift more of our overall perspectives to being a plant-based um, yeah. sort of diet with meat still consumed, but in a more mindful way. Um, and I, I would call myself kind of a reluctant omnivore because if I could get everything that I needed and ultimately craved and desired from non-animal based products, I, I would, uh, especially given how our farming operations are today. But yeah, I, I need more protein than I can get personally from the veg vegetarian foods that I consume. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm also sensitive to soy. So a lot of those foods that you might say, oh, we'll just go to that. I can't. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, that's a reality for many people. 
we have overconsumed soy for a long time. So people develop allergies and it may not have been an allergy that existed in a prior generation for that reason. Yeah. And it's also one of those crops that's cheap. And so we've done some massive heavily things subsidized. to it. It's yeah. cheap because it's heavily subsidized. Yeah. I had a friend in chiropractic school who's Chinese and he um, couldn't eat Chinese food here because he was allergic to our soy. So his parents actually would ship him like what he needed to make his own food and stuff because he couldn't eat American any like Asian food. So. so so many of my friends also I've had several report that they can't eat wheat products here, but they go to Europe mm-hmm. and they can specifically yeah. Italy. Like they can eat pasta just fine in Italy, yeah. but they can't eat it here. And um, it has to do with I think glyphosate exposure. Uh, glyphosate, yeah. sorry, not glyphosate. Mm-hmm. I I always want to put an F sound after the I think I do too um and for those who aren't familiar this is like what's in Roundup which is the main you know weed killer yeah Monsanto Monsatan now Bayer so Mm -hmm. Bayer bought Monsanto so the same company that makes you know ibuprofen yeah that's that's exciting (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) so we've got the state of the world right and I know um even from when before we started Recording. So like first let's let's get into why are omega threes important for our health. There's like a whole list of reasons, but let's let's break it down. First and foremost, omega threes are included in every single cell in your body. And so when you gain an understanding of that, this is why they start to sound like snake oil. And frankly, snake oil has omega threes in it. So perhaps <laughs> there is something to that, right? So um you really have to think about the fact that cells work a specific way. They essentially are able to transmit nutrients. They are able to communicate cell to cell. They are able to eliminate toxins. And when you don't have healthy cells, when you make up your cells of other fats that happen to be present in your diet, they might not do the things that you want them to do. They may not do it as well. And one area in which they are pivotally important is brain health. So if you want to have a clear mind, if you want to make sure that you've got a healthy mood, if you want to ensure that you also have, generally speaking, clear vision and things along those lines, you need to be making sure that you're getting enough omega-3 into your diet. And we're not just talking about alpha-linolenic acid or the flax oil or the, um, so it's flax oil, chia seeds, walnuts. These are the common higher in omega-3 plant sources that you might find, you really need to go directly to EPA and DHA. And, and I can break down quickly why that is, if that, if you think that yeah, would be helpful. Yeah, let's do it. I, I know lots, I'm interested in this and lots of other people have asked me questions about it. So let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, um, if you were to consume omega-3s from these other plant sources, not direct sources of EPA and DHA, your body has to actually go through several enzymatic processes to break the alpha-linolenic acid down and then essentially rebuild it into a DHA, which is 20 carbons long, 22 carbons long, or EPA, which is 20 carbons long, right? And so you end up having to go through, I would call it an expensive process in your body. Yeah. And the reason that it's thwarted sometimes has to do with the fact that you also use those same enzymes to break down omega-6s. And so omega-6s are present in your diet and animal meats, 
and things like eggs too, right? And um, your, all of your seed oils, so corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil, um, all of those oils are much, much higher in omega-6. They actually in nature also have omega-3 present, but that's refined out of them because it's not as shelf stable. And so we get oils on the shelf to cook with that are almost completely omega-6 and not omega-3 at all. We consume them in our baked goods. We consume them in our fried goods. We consume them in our chips and cupcakes. I mean, they're in everything. And so ultimately your body is competing for these enzymes to break down that other healthy plant source of omega-3 into EPA and DHA. And then there's one more factor that makes it all nearly impossible to get to where you want to be. And that is that we consume trans fats. And trans fats are partially hydrogenated or fully hydrogenated oils. They are present in many foods that you see on the shelter, on the shelf, processed foods, anything from crackers to chips to canned goods. Um, And they are essentially one molecule away from being plastic. So if you were to open a jar of shortening or your margarine and put it out in your garage on a hot sunny day, um, not a single insect will move over to it. Not a fly, nothing. They're not going to go for it. But if you do the same with butter, they're there. They're (laughs) buzzing around your head. They're going for the butter because it's food. And unfortunately, we as a species, we don't identify that it's not a food like the animals don't. We ingest it thinking, oh, it tastes good. It's nice and salty. It's crisp. It's sweet. It's all these great things. We consume it and our, our bodies don't know really what to do with it. And so essentially what it does is it gunks up the system. It shuts down our ability to actually use the enzymes that we would to integrate these healthy fats into our system to create the EPA and DHA our body needs. And so going to plant sources of omega-3s that are not algae-based is problematic. So that's where I would just say, get something that's a direct source of EPA and DHA. Algae can produce that. You don't need to go to the fish because the fish get it from the algae they eat anyway. Um, And ultimately, if you're looking at why it's so important that we balance these two things, they're like opposite sides of a teeter-totter. And our body needs to be in balance in order to be its healthiest. We need to recover from inflammatory events like stubbing your toe or having some sort of issue in the body where you cut yourself or something like that. You need inflammation to heal. It's absolutely critical. But your body also needs to return to normal or or to baseline after that event. And if you don't have a balance of omega-3s to omega-6s in your system, what happens is that inflammatory loop can kind of spin out of control. You can take a lot longer to heal. This is actually connected long-term to things like development of arthritic conditions or skin lesions. Um, This is one of the reasons that consuming enough omega-3s seems to positively impact skin health, conditions like psoriasis or rosacea, because really it's not that the omega-3 is a drug that is treating these things. It's that you're putting your body back in balance so that it can heal, so that it can return to homeostasis, so that that out-of-control inflammation 
can be quashed. And so I don't want people to think of it like a drug because it's not a drug. It's really just giving your body the nutrition it needs to function optimally. Yeah. Which is key because I get this question a lot and it's like, well, what supplements am I supposed to take? Cause you know, like my mom is an example, she's 72 and she doesn't eat. She just takes supplements. And I'm like, okay, that's not, that's not living. Like you have to actually consume food as well. And, you know, and then it's, and I think omega-3s have kind of gotten couched in behind marketing the same way that dairy did like, you know, cow's milk is your only source of calcium, right? Like we all have been raised to believe that. And that's total BS, like green leafy vegetables, you know, have far more calcium than cow's milk ever will. But same with omega-3, it's like, it's been, you know, oh, just eat more, eat more fish or, you know, get, it has to come from fish as you've been saying. And it really doesn't. And there's, what I'm getting to is, you know, there's essential things that we are lacking in our diet because of everything you just said, because it's all processed, because it's super high in omega-6, or, yeah, omega-6s. And when we're out of balance with those, all kinds of fun happens. Yeah. Dementia, and, heart and disease. And can't be a magic bullet either. Like we need yeah. to address our overconsumption of certain things. And one of the quickest ways to do that is to stop eating processed food. And perhaps right. not all processed food, because even olive oil is a processed food, right? But highly processed foods. Yeah. If it comes in a box and it has a label uh, ingredient list that's like this long, and I'm holding yeah. my fingers up to say uh, almost as far as my thumb and forefinger will go, I mean, maybe don't eat that. Um, consider it not a food. You might, you know, be able to convince your dog to eat it because they want to eat everything you do, but it doesn't mean that it's healthy for them or for you. Yeah. So if we can get to a point where we're actually addressing our body's nutrient needs, then suddenly all sorts of positive things happen. Like you can balance your hormones. People will see what stubborn weight fall off their bodies for multiple reasons. Um, I was actually talking to a prior collaborator, Stuart Tomk, about this on my other podcast, Nutrition Without Compromise. And um, he and I were diving into the fact, the research behind the reason omega-6 and omega-3 balance is so critical for things like healthy weight um, as it relates specifically to triggering our hunger mechanisms. And yeah. what they find in animal studies is that when they feed animals high omega-6 diets, they eat more, like a lot more. Yeah. And when they feed them a balanced diet that has omega-6 and omega-3 in it, they eat less. And guess what? They're not as fat. I mean, it's just that simple. So it's like they're, you're, they're not feeling starved. They're given supply of the same amount of food. They just don't sit there and, you know, constantly feed on that chip bag. So it's like, yeah, those snack foods are essentially engineered to make us want more. And there's a reason, biochemical reason that you don't get full eating them. I can sit there and eat an entire bag of buttered popcorn, you know, that's got who knows how many calories from omega-6 at the movie theater or whatever. Like it's right. all going to yeah. be trans fats and omega-6s. There's no omega-3s yeah. in that. Mm -hmm. You can eat the whole thing no problem and not be full because you've got the salt, you've got the magic of the sugar from the corn. And at the same time, you have all of this omega-6. Yeah. So I'm curious from your perspective, because I learned, you know, about ratios and all this stuff, like probably 10 years ago, what, what is the ratio that we strive for? Cause I know it's skewed way high in, in terms of omega-6 at this point, but like, is there a number or is there like, yeah, the literature says that we are generally consuming about 15 to 20 times more omega-6 than omega-3. 
mm-hmm. as a culture. I would argue that depending on who you measure that with, I mean, there are some people who just don't consume omega-3 really at all. And so it's um, not surprising to me that we would have all sorts of disorders kind of erupt, like, you know, mood, brain health, eye health, skin conditions, heart disease, um, Alzheimer's, all of these things. It just follows. You're not getting a balanced diet. But really, scientists have tended to say that our, our ideal balance, at least through evolutionary times, up until we got to the point where we were engineering foods, um, was somewhere in the realm of one to one to three to one. And so that would be one part omega-6 to one part Mm omega-3 or three parts omega-6 to one part omega-3. And it's really impossible for us to go back and see because we can't test, you know, what what did the reindeer and the buffalo have before, you know, uh, Western man came over and claimed that this was, you know, India or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) This is... We can't go back to that moment and test it, but we can get a fairly good idea. And we know that if you are consuming wild meats, that they are more balanced with their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. And typically that's more like a three to one, right? We know that if you're eating whole grains as opposed to oils or seed oils, that you're getting a better balance of omega-6s to omega-3s. We know that if you were consuming fish, you were getting much more omega-3 than omega-6 in that particular food. And much of human evolution, as I go back to my archaeological history, happened along seaboards and waterways. That's where we that's where we stayed. We needed water, we needed salt, we needed seafood in order to build our big fat heads. <laughs> so that's that's essentially yeah. how we evolved. Yeah. Well, and I think, and maybe I don't know if you know this or have answers to this or not, I've kind of been exposed to some of the blue zone research, right? And mm-hmm. for those listening, like the blue zones are the area, there's seven areas of the world. There might be nine, I think it's seven where people consistently live over a hundred. And so they've looked yeah. at like, and, and they don't just like, they actually live like they're, you know, they're not more just, centenarians. They're healthy. Yeah. Their health span is much greater. They yeah. tend to have a slower lifestyle than we have, you know, in, in my time, for instance, where yeah. um, the family units are, are more together, um, less disparate, mm-hmm. less spread out. Um, and that seems to be a healthier way to live, generally speaking. Yeah. You know, they and I'm curious more if, if they've done any studies on the omega ratios between sixes and threes with them, because I'm assuming that they're, yeah, I mean, I know there's speaking, an area in Japan where they eat plenty of seafood. And yeah, that's actually what Omega Quant based their blood spot analysis off of. And hmm. so they say that generally speaking, they want to see you closer to an 8% of your tissue is made up of Omega-3 and they can test that through blood spot, right? Yeah. And so if you're in some of the blues, blue zones of Japan, and we're not talking Tokyo necessarily, we're talking right. more like kind of off into the countryside where people are actually living slower and exposed to less harmful pollutants, and also yeah. eating a more traditional Japanese diet that isn't as impacted by the arrival of KFC and McDonald's. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have I have a story there because my niece, she actually lived in Japan in her teen years, and she got a job at Abercrombie and Fitch as a greeter and was paid thirty six dollars an hour to just go. Hey, how's it going? Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? This is yeah, the infiltration no, no. of our culture into the yeah. um, into the East. But 
Um, I think yeah. she'd be tickled to hear me say that, but you know, <laughs> really the, the spots around the globe that are noted as blue zones also tend to have a more balanced diet where you do see more whole foods. And I think that that is very important whole foods where they're consuming things like what you see in the plate in the background on that side. Yeah. Yes. I've got the mirror image up. So um, <laughs> it's a whole foods based diet. So you're actually making and preparing the food as opposed to just taking something from a box and throwing it in your microwave oven to later consume. Yeah. Yeah. At that point it's not food. So, no. Some of the not foods are delicious. I think that's yeah. part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we as as the consumers and eaters have to recognize like a lot of them have been engineered to make us want more and to think that that's food um like i i actually had a when i got married to my husband i have three stepsons and we had like a big argument because i started cleaning out their pantry and my husband doesn't know how to cook so they've literally been living on boxed foods for you know the three years that he was a single dad and i got rid of their margarine and they were like so pissed at me <laughs> they were like no i want my fake butter <laughs> it's like i can't believe it's not butter right yeah I'm sorry, but no, I'm not eating that. And you guys aren't either. <laughs> well, it's you know. funny. My first trip up into Canada, I learned that um, margarine, they don't allow you to add colorant to it because um, it's actually against the law in Canada to add colorant to margarine. And the reason they do that is so that people can easily discern margarine from butter if they are dining out as for instance, because the butter will have a yellowish hue and the margarine just looks white. That's very interesting. And it's so interesting to just look at the U S versus, you know, other, other Westernized nations. And the, these problems are still rampant there as well, I think, but you know, I know Europe doesn't allow trans fats or at least they didn't like 20 years ago. I've heard it's changing for the worse, unfortunately, but well, what I'm so perplexed by is that there are so many products out there that say on the label, zero grams, trans fats, zero grams. Right. And then you look but, in the ingredients and it says and they have partially, partially hydrogenated, hydrogenated or fully hydrogenated soybean and or palm kernel oil. And yeah. so now I've been triggered in multiple ways. For one, you're lying. I mean, even mm -hmm. if it is a quarter of a gram, it's still trans fats, right? Yeah. And for two... You're actually using palm kernel oil, which is contributing to deforestation in Borneo and habitat habitat loss of the orangutan. And so I personally make choices when I go out grocery shopping not to purchase products that have palm kernel oil in them, including my peanut butters, which is sometimes hard to find even on yeah. the more natural and organic side. So, yeah. you know, I have resorted oftentimes to just making my own peanut butter because I can just take peanuts and throw some salt in it and a little bit of honey if I want to sweeten it up, grind it mm -hmm. up and it's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there's a, a time and a place for that. And, you know, I, that was the other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, supplement quality. And because you've obviously been exposed to this in a way that like most people are not. Um, and I know I, as a, when I was doing more functional medicine and I still do some of that, but I've moved more into the coaching world now. Um, but, you know, I found one company that, it's annoying because they'll run out of things, but they run out of things because they're really committed to where they source them from. And I'm like, I would rather deal with that than, you know, have some adulterated version of the product. That's not really what it was, you know, 
started out as or was made to be. And with one of them, they couldn't source it anymore. So they actually just created something totally new that was more sustainable and sourceable. It just sounds like it's what you have done. Um, so, and we can definitely talk about your product, but I'm just curious, you know, for those listening, because I, I get, you know, people are like, oh, I'll just buy the, you know, Centrum Vitamins or whatever, <laughs> it, you know, wherever. <laughs> like, please don't. <laughs> That's my... I mean, and this is a hard subject because ultimately yeah. there are, are people out there who will say, oh, supplements are unregulated. That's not true. Supplements are regulated. We're regulated by the FDA. The Dietary Supplements Health and Education Act of 1994 stated that the FDA could regulate supplements. Um, since that time, we can't bring in new dietary ingredients without essentially going through the same rigors as a drug company would to produce an over-the-counter uh, an over-the-counter drug. So there's a lot of regulation in place. Supplements are not underregulated drugs; they're highly regu regulated foods. That being said, there is a complete range of quality of ingredients that are available in the marketplace, and in many cases, those ingredients are not necessarily in their most absorbable form. So for instance, you go to a centrum, you decide I'm going to take this multivitamin every day because I was told by my doctor that I should take a multivitamin and an omega-3. So I'm going to go out and buy that. And it's cheap. It's available at my grocery store. And what they may be buying is expensive excrement. And I say that because even though it might only be $5 a bottle, you're throwing into your body ingredients that are in the highly processed synthetic form, you aren't going to get vitamin, you might be getting vitamin D3 now, like they might have made that upgrade, but they're not going to get you give you the methylated form of any of the B vitamins. So you may just end up ultimately peeing it out, it's not doing anything for you. They're not going to give you the most absorbable form of calcium or magnesium. And so these things might actually cause you a little digestive distress. They're not going to have given you the highest quality of anything because they essentially couldn't afford to for the price. And so, you know, you have to think about those purchases as investments. And so when I look at something like um, a supplement, I'm looking at, is this worth it? And is it quality? So if I'm going to find an omega-3, I'm looking for something that is going to be in its most bioavailable form. And for that, I caution people to look at polar lipids because phospholipids and glycolipids, your body automatically recognizes as part of its cells, essentially. So when you consume them with or without food, any time of day, you can actually absorb them. I recently learned that I have a genome type called APOE4. I have one representation of APOE4. And what this means is I drew a short straw. Okay. I don't have the best chance at living the longest, healthiest life, Alzheimer free, unless I'm smart about how I live. Right. And this is the epigenetic contribution, right? I can, I can actually consume the right things, support my body along with the other 15% of the population that has at least one representation of APOE4 in the hope that I won't develop Alzheimer's disease or dementia later in life, like my grandmother had. Right. So having this genome type, I may be less likely to be able to integrate omega-3s. And this is the thing I've learned literally in the last few weeks. But guess what? A polar lipid form 
of the omega-3 is going to get to my brain. <laughs> so it may be serendipitous that I ended up shifting my focus from being on the fish oil side, offering triglyceride fish oils into specifically and only working in the algae space. At the same time, I learned that I have this APOE4 genome type and also that I may be less likely to integrate the omegas in my brain if I don't consume them in that form. And so absorption is everything because yeah. if, if these nutrients don't get into your tissues, then they can't do the good that you took them to produce in the first place. Mm -hmm. So eating a well-balanced diet, that's number one. I have friends who will say your abs are made in the kitchen. They're right, but I still like my bread. So I got a little floof. Sorry. You know, it's like, can't get over the fact that I love sourdough. It's just going to keep with me. But I, I do take a multivitamin. I take one that is essentially food-based, meaning that the nutrients are extracted from food. And that may mean they're not as potent, right? So like, for instance, vitamin C, you can go and you can get a vitamin C, it's 500 milligrams or super cheap at Costco and just right. trust that it's being absorbed into your system. Or you can take a vitamin C that's actually extracted from amla or gooseberry or a vitamin C that's taken from kiwi, and, and you can create supplements that contain these food sourced vitamins and have a much better chance at absorbing the nutrients. They're not going to cost the same amount because it can't, it takes more to make them from food. And you really just think about it from that point as being supplement to a healthy diet, supplement to a healthy lifestyle. And you might spend a dollar a day for that high quality multivitamin, but it won't just end up in the toilet. Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot, really good stuff. So um, for those, I think we've given everyone a ton of things to think about, but um, for those listening, and I'm, I'm very curious, like I have two questions. So, you know, I want to talk about your product and what you created, but I am curious, how does algae fit into the world of being carbon neutral in terms of, because I know sustainability is really big to you and like even your packaging and all that, like we can talk through all of that and then right. we'll kind of wrap up there, but um well, if you that. think about algae, algae is yeah. actually the first life form on this planet. And we're harnessing mm -hmm. the potential of that first plant, the microorganisms, the single-celled algae that are using the benefit of photosynthesis light mm -hmm. and ultimately creating their nutrients from that, right? Yeah. And so we're using photosynthetic algae, which means that we can actually feed them things like carbon, which plants need to consume in order to release oxygen and light and a mix of only the nutrients they need and, and a closed environment. And the reason that this is important is because we can dictate all of the inputs. We can make sure that there aren't pollutants or other algae strains coming in that don't produce the nutrient that we want or amoebas or beetles that like to consume algae, right? So we're not growing in open ponds. We're growing actually in a photobioreactor, which is super high tech, but ultimately just showing the algae the light that it needs to thrive, which is a perfect mix of blue and red light. Um, people can take a peek at this by visiting orlonutrition.com and actually see images um, of our photobioreactor. And so um, we grow in this kind of vertical farming perspective and these tubes were bubbling carbon through it. 
And because we're co-located next to a geothermal plant that harnesses the energy of the planet to create power, we're only using green energy and we're feeding it carbon. And so in the process of doing that, we're creating a byproduct of oxygen while also creating omega-3s from one particular algae strain, an ultra spirulina from another, which is spirulina technically is a cyanobacteria, but it's also photosynthetic and lumped into the world of algae. So we Mm -hmm. grow spirulina. The spirulina produces the same protein structure that you see in beef, but of course it's completely vegan. So long-term we'll likely have a protein product, Um, but it also produces vitamin B12. And so by growing algae and the way that we're growing it in these closed systems, we're able to produce a product that can be minimally processed to preserve its sensitive nutrients in the polar lipid form, or in the case of the spirulina, actually retain its vitamin B12 in its methylated form. Interestingly, spirulina grown in open ponds doesn't produce that form of vitamin B12. Um, So it's, it's like... Just by giving the algae everything it needs to thrive, it's giving us its most bioavailable Mm -hmm. nutrients. We're able to minimally process that product because of how it's grown and Mm -hmm. ultimately harness its omega-3 potential, the other micronutrients that are there, including chlorophyll. So like if you were to puncture one of our capsules of our product and squirt it into a glass of water... It will actually turn the water green from the chlorophyll, <laughs> right? Cool. Um, and yeah. unlike a standard fish oil, this this little soft gel that you see here, unlike a standard fish oil, if you were to mix it up in the water, you see like little beadlets form and the water turn green. Oil and water don't tend to mix, but if you were to mm-hmm. do that with ours, it integrates more and that's because of the polar lipids. If you were to do the same thing okay. with a fish oil, it's going to float right on the top. That's actually yeah. part of the reason people tend to get that fishy burp from sure. taking yeah. a run-of-the-mill mm-hmm. algae oil, which doesn't mm-hmm. have the polar lipids or a fish oil product. Got it. Okay. Very cool. And I know all of your packaging, like it comes in glass bottles that are reusable, right? And Yeah. I mean, one yeah. of the major things we did, because I, was, I got involved early on, I was able to um, make the judgment call to say, look, you know, we want to really showcase the sustainability of this product, we need to select materials that are going to be the most mindful. So mm-hmm. I worked with Eco Enclose, which is a um, shipping materials company. Like they create all the packaging that you might ship a product in to create a post-consumer recycled box. It's 100% post-consumer recycled with an algae-based ink. They only make the algae-based ink in black. And so when I worked to create the brand, I said, well, what if we did monochrome and just did black and white? Because we know we can use black ink from algae that's taken from waste stream algae that is grown for human nutrition to go ahead and also replace another petro product, right? You don't have to use carbon black, which is a petrochemical ink. We can use it from algae as a byproduct. And now it's still sequestering carbon and it's even safe to use in my compost. Um, I can recycle it again if I want, or I can tear it up and use it as a brown matter in my compost. So 
Yeah, something else you can do with it. Um, the yeah. bottle is reusable many times. It's made of Miron violet glass, which is black. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't allow light through unless you shine a bright, bright light through just the edge and it looks kind of cobalt. That protects the soft gels inside. You could even just have this mm-hmm. on your counter in your bathroom or your kitchen. So you remember to take it every day. And then um, we're doing a subscription model. So the product actually ships in these pouches that are made of post-consumer recycled plastics with one layer of virgin plastic, because that's what you have to do in order to touch a food supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But ultimately, this is still recyclable and mm-hmm. can live after this second life that it's in already a third or fourth time in another form. Um, And ultimately everything that we do is focused on trying to limit our carbon. People who buy from our website using shop pay, it's automatically got a um, carbon credit to take care of the shipping. And we ship only via ground from our centrally located warehouse, which is in Texas. Um, to ensure that uh, the carbon footprint is as little as possible. Very cool. So how can, I know you're, um, you said the website already, orlonutrition.com. Is that the best place for people to go to just kind of connect with you, learn more? I know you've got like, lots of platforms you've got two podcasts actually so they can start there at orlonutrition.com we actually have the podcast nutrition without compromise um, hosted on the site so you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts but you can also explore the podcast page on our website and dig into past episodes Um, there are many many shows to pick from and ultimately it's um, a resource for you the shows are produced in video and audio format and we include complete transcripts on the page as well. So for those that might be hearing impaired, they can read the content. It's organized as a blog with pictures and, you know, little titles here and there. So that breaks up the content a bit too. Most episodes are 30 to 45 minutes. Um, there are some that are a little longer, like my conversation with Melanie Plourd, who I mentioned just a bit ago, talking about um, polar lipids and omega-3 to omega-6 balance and and those who might be of a different genome type. So we get a little techie in some of them, um, but ultimately it's it's great information and a resource to continue someone's ongoing continual education, specifically as it relates to nutrition and great health without compromising your ethics or the health of planet Earth. Love it. Awesome. Um, and for those listening, you know, if you decide you want to test this out try it i think we've, we've got a special code for everyone at all yes I we will give an extra 10 percent off to anybody who visits the site and uses the code dr alex for dr alex 10 dr alex 10 will get you an extra 10 percent off we're presently running a promo on the site through the end of the year um that will actually allow you to get our holiday bundle which includes both the omega-3 product of your choice and our immunity boost with ultra spirulina um, at a 27% discount already. So theoretically they could go and get almost 40% off by buying the product today. Um, And that bundle ships free. We're not charging shipping on that bundle. So it's a um, great way to try the products that we have to offer. And then you can always subscribe to whichever products you choose to continue using. Our subscription customers get 15% off ongoing on their shipments as well. Well, Marina, thank you so much. I learned a lot from this. So I hope it benefits (laughs) everybody else. 
I hope yeah. so too. I, I would yeah. love to be able to come back and dive more deeply into how omega threes impact your hormones. Um, one thing I didn't share is I actually um, I'm 46, so I'm starting the whole menopause journey. Perry, kind of, my periods are now getting erratic and um, also happen to have hypothyroidism. And so we could talk about how omegas can impact these systems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think we're going to have a part two. We'll just <laughs> stop recording. Thank you so much for what you do. I love the show. I really yeah, do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. So I just wanted to share that at the time we're releasing this episode, I am still waiting for my Orlo supplements to come in, but they get here tomorrow and I'm really excited to try them. And for any of you listening, you know, if this inspired you to check them out, to check out, you know, an algae-based omega-3, maybe you've had trouble with the big honking fish pills, or, you know, you want to be more environmentally conscious, whatever your reasoning is, they are available now on Amazon, as well as if you go to erlonutrition.com, we have a discount code for you, which is Dr. Alex 10. So you can check it out in either place. And I'm excited. I will get on and definitely share what my experience is with them, but I'm excited to hear what yours is and what feedback you have from, you know, checking it out. And I know Karina would love to hear too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Selfless Syndrome Show. It is for listeners like you that I continue to show up every week to share new ideas, interviews, and action steps on rising through adversity, connecting to your intuition, getting your energy back, and balancing your hormones. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review. You can do this on whatever platform you are joining us from. This helps us continue to grow and reach even more women around the world. Also, while I love showing up and sharing my deep thoughts with you, I'd also love to connect with you and get to know what questions you have and would like answers to. Visit www.selflesssyndrome.show, that's S-E-L-F-E-S-S-S-Y-N-D-R-O-M-E dot show, and send me an email or leave me a message. I will answer your question on an upcoming episode. Again, that's www.selflesssyndrome.show. There, you can also get connected, check out previous episodes, watch video of the show, and much more. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, continue breaking with convention and taking action one step at a time. Mm -hmm.